Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he ate my fucking chicken, it's Arturo Zarita! How you doing, Zach? Glad to be back here to talk about movies, glad to be here to talk about some of... It hurts. Honestly, it hurts that the idols you look up to... I feel like James Gunn right now. I feel like James Gunn distraught. Uh, I haven't even made a movie yet, but yeah. Uh, we have a very interesting topic of the week that we're going to be talking about today uh, that I feel is, is really causing a big divide between the cinematic community. Some people are for it. Some people are against it. Is it going to matter by next year? Probably not, but uh, I'm glad to be here today along with what introduction we got for him. Uh, I, I didn't get... I, I'm supposed to do the special intros for Fer- Fernando, yeah, too. I no. thought it was just like... I never uh, get a special intro, but it's fine. We got to refer to as producer yet. intern first. Yeah, I'm doing good, What, guys. A, what an introduction right there. Woo! I like the Shape of Water thing uh, that you have in the background, oh, my I believe. That's what it yeah, cool. yeah, that's really nice. I haven't noticed that one before. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a cool little addition right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little by little, the uh, wall behind Fernando yeah, grows I also and a, gets more interesting. I have a Last Jedi one I got to put up still. But I'm happy because... Well, we're, we're recording this on Monday, which today the new Star Wars trailers comes out, which I'm That's repping, right. So. That's right. Yeah, we won't have a reaction to that, but we do have a I'm bunch excited. of other stuff to talk about. Yeah, not talking the Star Wars trailer, but we will be talking about Old Men versus Marvel, as well as a uh, potential Barney movie, and the latest with Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But first, make sure you're subscribed to Intercut. Neither either the video podcast at youtube.com slash intercut pod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether that's Facebook, whether that's Twitter, whether that's Instagram. We are at Intercut Pod. That's at Intercut P-O-D. That's short for podcast. Art, let's start the show the way we started every week here with what we're watching. What you been watching, buddy? Not watching. Playing. Uh, Uncharted 4. As you know, it takes me about three and a half years to get through a tutorial in a video game. Uh, those three and a half years have passed, and now we started playing Uncharted 4. Alina's fallen in love with it. Uh, after that, it's really just been a video game binge for the most part. There's a lot of stuff for the Chicago International Film Festival that we've been watching, but kind of want to plug in a bunch of games. That in Control, which is up next. But it really makes me think. Uh, we're talking about the superhero movie conundrum that we're going to be dealing with later, and it just made me think of... Um, the video games. It's really only a matter of time till this medium starts blowing up. Comic books have been around since 1920s, 30s. Those stories are being adapted to this day. Joker, one of the biggest movies out right now, that character was created before 1950. These video games have been around since what? When was the first video game system that, that was released, right? What, Pong? Probably early 80s. 80s? Yeah. yeah. And then the 90s, uh, and then Nintendo. we can get into narrative, like really big narrative-driven games mm-hmm. until the 2000s and stuff. Um, yeah, we're talking about superhero movies eventually. Video games are going to be the thing. Uh, video game movies in particular, especially because with Uncharted, if you played any of those video games, masterpieces. I want to say every single one gets... Uh, Better in terms, uh, like, technically speaking. Mm-hmm. Story-wise, it's also there. We haven't played Lost Legacy. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Uncharted series. Yeah, um, a little bit. It's not one that I've played as much as... Uh, Fernando, have you played? Not really, either. Um, He's never touched a console in his life. Are you kidding me? I'm probably the biggest gamer out of the two of you. But you what? haven't played one, two, or three, or four? What? But uh, no, because I've never... I had a PS2, but I never had PlayStation 3. I had a 360, so... 
But uh, it, Uncharted is made by Naughty Dog, which I yes. believe does The Last of Us, yep. which talk about cinematic uh, Big fan. cinematic influence in the video game in medium. You know, The Last of Us, uh, I think, does a great job at telling its story in a way that feels cinematic, but also has that interactivity mm-hmm. that you can only achieve through video games. So, you know, so bring uh, it up. more and more of these, these uh, video games are... Uh, it's insane. Pushing the limits of storytelling in ways that yep. parallel or or even advance what we see in in movies. So what I don't know. Maybe you're going to leave us and become a game critic. I, I I'm sorry. I've <laughs> I work for GameStop now. <laughs> I work for uh, what's the what's the IGN? But no, yeah. Between this game that we're playing up next, Uncharted and Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, that's just my quick little thing of the week to to mention. Especially because, like you said, I, I'm a bigger belie- believer that it should remain in this medium. Mm-hmm. A big comic right. book fan i believe a lot of things work better as a comic as a book um but i do think we're going to see a rise in video game movies but i i highly implore letting the medium of video games be the best way to tell that story it's a big thing we're here on intercut that we believe in right like a good story is a good story and good stories will translate but sometimes the thing that makes a video game so great and makes a video game story so great is that interactivity mm-hmm. is that uh, is that you put stuff into it. I think about something that I played a little bit recently, uh, Detroit Becoming Human. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fernando, you played this one as well? That too. I, haven't, yeah. I haven't played it, but I've seen like a full like playthrough of it, Walk and through. it's crazy. Yeah, so a really cool me. game. I you know the David. Yeah. I know some people are hit or miss with any of those David Cage games, but love them. There are certain points. There are certain points in the game where it forces you to make certain choices, and you feel the the brunt of the impact that much more because you have to make the choice uh, rather than just experience the choice. So, I think when storytellers recognize that that's an element you have in video games that yep. elevates the ability of a video game to tell the story. So yeah, Best way. like you said, it's sometimes they should remain separate. Best but what are you guys watching? Fernando? Um I actually binge watched Undone cuz I know you guys were like super high on it. Um and yeah, I surprisingly really liked it. I I think if you guys would have told me right off the bat it's about like a Mexican family, I would have been like, "Okay, I'm going to watch it." Um <laughs> Because when that came up, I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously something well, mixed, that attracted mixed, me. Mixed, 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 mixed. Yeah, mixed. Um, but it is Angie from uh, from George Lopez, <laughs> which I didn't know until halfway through watching the series. Alina was like, you know, that's Angie from George Lopez. But it does a very interesting rotoscoping animation. Yeah, dude, right. it's so nice. I, I also saw like the little um, like behind the scenes thing that Amazon has on it. And it was, cool. it was super cool the way they like film it and then give it to the animators and the painters um yeah it's super a really interesting look at into like mental mental health um and a really good performance by rose rosa salazar i believe um who i haven't seen alita and i know those fans are like (laughs) crazy but her agent just doesn't want her to be human (laughs) i like the character a lot she was great yeah yeah, I'm really into Undone. That's one of my favorite shows of the year. And uh, you Got mentioned me the rotoscoping. It. Just the way that it uses that rotoscoping to blend scenes together mm-hmm. and make it so that uh, the background can disappear and suddenly they're in a new location. It's, it's so cool. Um, I like when shows are able to uh, use the medium to their advantage yeah. like that. They were even saying they're like you could touch up anyone who you wanted with the animation because you were just drawing over them. And I was like... What are we doing in this day and age? Yeah. It's beautiful. I was watching Intercon, got that show recommended, so I was glad to hop on that one. <laughs> what about you, Zach? What have you been watching? Uh, I am watching a show set in high school with 
a lot of uh, fluid relationship and gender dynamics. Big Mouth? And uh, and, uh, look at modern high school life. High School Musical, the series? You got got (laughs) screeners there already? Uh, actually, the politician. I, I'm oh, trying to. I'm yeah, trying to lead yeah. you on and make you That's think I'm watching right. Euphoria. But uh, I, I binged all of the politician in this last week. Mm. Um, I don't know, guys. I'm not so sure that Ryan Murphy's great at making TV. Yeah. Is, that a, is that a hot take? I was going to ask because I know lots of people love Ryan Murphy shows. I have. Yeah, this really... is the this is the first of uh, Ryan Murphy's new set of shows that he's set to produce for Netflix. He yeah. uh, switched over to Netflix he, in like a right. hundred million dollars. Mention what he's done though in case people don't know because this man this man's a powerhouse. Yeah, he yeah I mean he. this is the guy who uh, oh, helped create Glee, helped create uh, American Horror, Horror Story, Story, American which Crime we're Story. Which watching. Yeah. Uh, so, Pose. So, uh, Pose. Pose. Uh, 911 on Fox right now. So and he, now he's got this really big deal. all over TV. Um, and he moved recently to Netflix in a $300 million deal, one of several deals that Netflix has put through recently in trying to uh, bring as many talented uh, content creators mm-hmm. under their umbrella. So The it's Politician cool. is the first show that is being made through this new deal with Netflix. It's an eight-episode series that's already been picked up for a second season. You have Ben Platt, who a lot of people are obsessed with recently after uh, his Broadway. work in Dear Evan Hansen, but he's in, been in Pitch Perfect, and he's been in some other stuff as well. Uh, the series has other famous names in it, like Gwyneth Paltrow, Bob Balaban, mm-hmm. uh, Bette Midler, and Judith Light show up in the eighth episode. Yeah, and I think they're going to be a bigger part in the second season. I, I really do feel... Like this show, I mean, if you are a fan of Ryan Murphy's style, you're probably going to continue to enjoy uh, his work here in The Politician. It's got that sort of staccato rhythms to it that Glee has. It's very uh, very quickly delivered lines and very frantic energies with the incestual nature of these high schools and the mm-hmm. soap opera soap opera kind of developments that go on. I kind of found the first bunch of episodes lacking motivation completely uh it's about this guy played by ben platt who uh is determined to one day be the president of the united, the united states, states and that starts yeah. with becoming the president of his high school class yeah. and it, they never really stop to let you wonder like what is this guy's motivation what made him like this why do i even care that he wants this so badly uh, and then the series does something interesting in that its seventh episode, after it ends, it jumps like, I don't know, three, four, Thank five you. I was years wondering if you were going to mention that. Yeah, it does yeah. do that. Um, I'm, I feel like maybe the first season, they are figuring out their rhythm a little bit more. Maybe the second season will be a little more focused. I, I can't really recommend the first season, though, unless you are a fan of that style uh, that he employs in shows like Glee. I caught it uh, when it had come out on a Friday, and it was like, yeah. oh, don't these Netflix shows, you're halfway through watching when you go, eight episodes, do you remember when I used to say, give me eight episodes, that's all I need, now with these eight, <laughs> eight episodes, it's just because they're all coming out at once like that, uh, to me, at best, this show is thoroughbreds, right, at worst, right. this it, show is insatiable. There's maybe moments where it works well, uh, but I, I don't, I feel like it's only in passing moments that mm-hmm. it, it really gets what it's going after. Gwyneth plays herself. So that was basically, basically, 
Uh, it's an yeah, excuse to have her carrying around crystals and yeah. in equestrian wear, which for some people is going to be a big draw in of its yeah. in and of itself. Did you also feel like they were getting rid of like half the cast at the end of the seventh episode? Or are you not that far yet? Oh, I finished it. Yeah. So do you feel I'm like they just basically so talk about push it. reset on the whole show? No, not necessarily. Like, I, don't, I don't know where I don't know how Zoe Dutch comes back in the second well, season. Well, that was a good yeah because she plays a very crucial part. Her and her mother or her grandmother play a very crucial part throughout the entire series, and it feels like they just they didn't know how to wrap that up, so they yeah. just put it to the side. But without a doubt, she's going to be coming back for season two if they needed her to come back I just for don't season know how. two. Um, I, I would just say this: there's a moment when a character should have looked back, and they didn't, and that comes to play in the last episode. I think that entire. All of it is BS from the first person who decides to not look back to the last person who decides to look back. Buffoonery in the finest. Yeah. In my opinion. I don't know so how you you're, felt you're about on the that. same page as me there. So okay, good. Um I also caught Euphoria. Did you lie to me and say you didn't catch Euphoria, but you did catch Euphoria? No, I told you I would talk to you about it later. I don't know what this means. Did you see all of it? I saw all of Euphoria this past week, man. Okay, what do you think? I I really love the show. I know you're uh, gonna love the show. I've been waiting for you to watch it. <laughs> it's got such a really unbelievable energy to it. It it the way that it deals with these characters, it gives you such a full perspective on them, yep. both internal lives and external lives. I'm really in love with the way that it kind of feels like it's giving you a music video in almost every episode too. In the script, he said, I don't write my scripts unless I put the song in there. They, he said, every time I turn it into an agent, they go, this is not you're supposed to write a script. He's like, then this isn't the movie I want to wink. Wow. <laughs> I'm not going. He's like, I'm going to write the scripts that I want to. And they all read the scripts. And there's like, there are songs embedded into the scenes. It's like Baby Driver, when he said he didn't direct the scene without the beats to the songs. That's how he made every single script to the point of actually titling episodes Rap songs, which is the first thing I told this man. I was like, get on the show. I'm glad you finally caught it three years later. Who's your favorite character? You know, I, I just am really compelled whenever Rue is on screen. Fantastic. I, I think Zendaya is giving like a great This is her role, right? Here. This uh, is like what she's known for? Like Casey Undercover is gone. Yeah. Shake it yeah, up, gone. Like, uh, Spider-Man's big enough, but this is her role. She's fantastic on this show. Although, you know, there's a lot of really strong people on the show. I kind of love Fez. I feel like that's probably the internet's favorite, but... Bro, I, I went on Twitter to check what people thought about Fez. They called him a uh, white man of color. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm seeing a lot of people call him a Mac Miller reincarnated. Uh, that's the first thing I told Alina. I was like, he's giving me really big Mac Miller vibes. And yeah. considering he is one of the most lovable characters, it's like, he really gets to you. Yeah, he's a drug and, dealer, and but he it's gets the dude's sweet. first role to Angus Cloud, which is pretty really? crazy. Yeah, I felt the also, same thing with the kid. Uh, sorry, the kid, and as well as the girl, the the fifth friend that they have in the circle, the Hispanic one. She is yeah. not an actress. They picked her up at the mall. Right, uh, Hunter Schaefer. Uh, it's her first role as well, mm -hmm. uh, and and she's incredible on the show too. I don't really feel like there's a lot of weak links here. Um, you know, I might be more invested in Rue's storyline than than some than Maddie's, but I think it's all really interestingly told. I love the way that uh, 
they kind of profile different people in the different episodes, but it still has that ensemble nature. And I'm really impressed by some of the nonlinear tricks they do where they'll show you a scene and then three episodes later bring that scene back under completely different context. Mm -hmm. It's just a show that seems like in complete control of what it's trying to do. And honestly, I, I gotta say, like, I cried a little bit this morning just thinking about how season one ends. I'm not gonna spoil it for people because mm-hmm. we're too early into the podcast. But uh, thank you, Euphoria, for for giving us something so uh, metaphorical and and so expressive and something that asks you to lean in a little bit closer and think mm-hmm. about the art rather than just tell you what's gonna happen. Uh, it, it was a really really wonderful note to, for me that the first season ended on. I can't add anything more to it because then we're, that's going to be the whole podcast. But thank you for having me. We'll I had that on the board for like three weeks for three episodes. Maybe we'll do a Let Us Explain on it. Well, I know we have to do a Let Us Explain. asks for it in the comments. So Just for the music alone, what Labyrinth did with the music was insane. Yes, yes. I've been uh, playing uh, Mount Everest on repeat. He since. had a, a – Alina's favorite is uh, Maddie's story. And it's just sounds coming out of like everywhere. I was like, what are you listening to? Yeah. Um, uh, he has this, the, the the main one the, the title track all for or not title track but all for us like the main one that happens at the end uh, right. he, I don't know if you've listened to it but he has yeah. movie quotes that the chorus sings yeah I I, I find it fascinating I, I definitely I want to send you an interview so we can definitely talk about it later but the whole thing dealing with addiction uh, and this goes back to other movies that he has done we know Chase is a huge fan of the movie he did that was released at Sundance blanking on it right now Assassination Nation um I like the style. Here he got the style, he got the story, and he got the emotions. Fernando, you've seen it? I've seen Assassination, but no, I haven't seen Euphoria yet, no. Yeah, your name, Zach. (laughs) I'm glad to be joining you in the the bullying people about Euphoria. Best of the year, though. Best of the year, yes or no? You know, it's tough in a year that also had uh, my other what I've been watching, which is Mm. Succession. I'm not going to say it's better than Succession. But this doesn't belong in the top five? Yes, absolutely. That's all I needed to know. Because there's so many good shows this year. This year uh, even after all the months passing, Euphoria is still one of the best. Yeah, so uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about Euphoria more. I'll mention briefly, because I've talked about Succession a lot over the past few weeks, that uh, it was maybe its the best finale. episode of the entire second season. And mm-hmm. the second season is taking the show to a whole new level just the tension of putting them all on a yacht together and and making them forced to choose amongst I've one another a lot I, yeah yo uh, please get on succession please I I need, this is how I we do it to talk about this with. i recommend one hbo show you catch it two months later you recommend an hbo show i catch it two years later so uh, around right. uh, intercut 163 we should be able to get to it <laughs> so yeah succession fans check back 100 episodes from now Guaranteed we'll get to it. We'll cover season uh, seven. <laughs> and uh, let us know what you've been watching in the comments down below on YouTube or by shooting us an email. The address for that is intercutpod at gmail.com. You can also catch us on social media at intercutpod. Just, you know, get back at us. Let us know what you've been watching. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We're going to move on to the yay or nay where we break down the latest happenings in entertainment. Starting with 
Quentin Tarantino, who is a frequent topic of ours in the yay or nay, is refusing to recut Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for Chinese audiences over the controversial Bruce Lee scene. We've talked a lot about that Bruce Lee scene, probably ad nauseum about that Bruce Lee scene. Uh, But apparently the Chinese censors have added themselves to the list of people who don't approve of it. And uh, nearly about a week before the film's supposed premiere in China, that premiere has been canceled. So, Art, yay or nay, you appreciate Tarantino sticking to his guns and standing by his movie. Um, for that scene, no, but what I had heard that a big deal was because Brad Pitt is not allowed in China and none of his movies are allowed to play there. So if it comes from that perspective, which I've been, I've been hearing a lot, then yay, because you're not going to cut Brad Pitt out of the movie. And I love Quentin Tarantino saying, I mean, I don't know if you have a movie without Brad Pitt. Exactly. Uh, when I had, see, because I had heard it pitched that way, I was like, you know what? Good for you, Tarantino. The Bruce Lee scene, that's one clip. I feel you could rearrange that one personally but i know some people didn't have a problem with it um i guess that's just up to him i can't really have an opinion on that one i i, I leaned a little bit but it's his movie uh, i feel like that's seen a cut when i had heard that he wasn't doing it because he said you know screw china and your censors i was like all right tarantino let's go and this one i don't know i mean I'm, I'm a little indifferent what about you yeah i mean like I- i'm generally of the anti-censorship pro free speech platforms Mm -hmm. you know obviously there's nuance to that and uh uh we've been hearing about a situation that's nuanced in in the news a lot recently with uh uh, what's going on in the nba but you know this is a whole Mm -hmm. other thing uh you know i i think that the idea that the movie should would be altered for these different countries is kind of um you know, it's a shame for fan, for for film fans in those other countries. You want to be able to see the same thing that other people are seeing. Uh, yes. You know, catch the director's actual vision. So yes. I, I like that he is trying to stand up for his movie in some way. I, I get that maybe it's not everybody's favorite scene, but mm-hmm. it, it is a vision. And, and I don't know if Tarantino, whose vision is so singular, should be compromised. Uh, I could agree that with way. that. As much as I don't like the scene, I don't think you should be falling for any censorship whatsoever, uh, especially with the, can you call it a regime, whatever, what yeah. what they're doing in China. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely sure. not. Yeah. So. And I think he, I think he's, just to chime in, I think he's lucky that he has enough power, because if this was any other movie under a big that's studio, the thing about it'd it. be yeah. like China, that's like half of that's our box office. That's a great office. point. Exactly. <laughs> think about Rocket Man. Do whatever. Uh, yeah. Rocket Man was barred from a lot of places, but uh, I, I'm not sure what they ended up doing with that one. But previously, Bohemian Rhapsody, they did cut out any mm-hmm. scenes because they said, all right, whatever you need to sell it. And it's sort of like, well, that kind of compromises the movie. Granted, I don't know who officially directed that one at the end of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, a, a lot of other movies do the exact same thing. Or even worse, don't talk about omission. Talk about adding a scene, right? You right. know? Or do we need another Stanley Tucci drinking from a Japanese milk they, oh, it was the Hong Kong milk thing that he had in Transformers just to be able to add that mm. placement for what it needs to be. The mag that did similar things as well. I don't know. Right. I, I mean, it all it all brings to mind the way that selling in films internationally has kind of changed Hollywood. Uh, and, and, you know, is. when you're Tarantino, you're one of the few people who doesn't necessarily have to change your movie to mm-hmm. to sell it to China. You can sure. get it funded on your own. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, not not every movie studios in that place right now. What's yeah. a interesting to see where we'll get more to this we'll get more to this there's some theater talk yeah we'll get more to this in a bit 
On his press tour for Parasite, filmmaker Bong Joon-ho revealed his interest in working on the David Fincher-helmed Netflix series Mindhunter. Bong is familiar with the book that Mindhunter is based on, having read it in preparation for his film Memories of a Murder, Art, yay or nay, Bong is specifically trolling you and me as members of the Bong Hive and Mindhunter Hive. Probably, let me say, hey, Bong Joon-ho says he wants to direct an episode of Mindhunter. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you want me to send him the letter? Like, what? Oh, easily. I had not heard about this. 100%. That said, this is an obvious yay. Uh, and yes, he is. Can you tell the story for our viewers who don't know about how he trolled another producer? That I would love. Oh, my God. That's so awesome. uh, yeah, there's been a, a story going around film Twitter uh, based on comments he made, I think, recently uh, about the film Snowpiercer, which somewhat infamously was distributed by Harvey Weinstein. Oh, uh, what a debacle that scandal. release was too, and, if you remember it. Sorry? The, the 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 release strategy for Snowpiercer, if you remember it, it just got released in the UK not too long ago because we have a bunch of friends over there. They thought they were never going to see They thought they were going to have to see it on Snowpiercer. Like, like <laughs> the world was going to hit that stage before they were able to catch it. So the thing with Snowpiercer, Harvey was trying to get it shorter and cut out stuff. And there was a scene where they gut a fish that Harvey was trying to uh, cut out of the film. Uh, and Bong was tired of explaining to him why it was important. So Crucial. he says, look, Harvey, my father was a fisherman and this is my ode to my father. It's, yeah, and please. For, for, for that, please let me keep it in the movie. To which Harvey apparently said, oh, family's important for, for that. For you, I'll keep it in the movie. Bong says, that was a fucking lie. <laughs> he just wanted to get it in the movie. <laughs> oh my God. So, uh, Come on. we stand Yo, Bong Joon. Uh, he's so cool. That's what it yeah. is about it. He's Did incredible. you see his entire interview with the back and forth? They said, where's the one place to sit in the back yeah, of the yeah. back of theater? Great. Who's your first crush? Alina sends it to me just off the question, who was your first uh, on-screen crush? Who's your on-screen crush? She said, Tony Collette. I have not been stopping talking about Tony Collette uh, at all. So I was like, yo, is this man... The one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Huge fans of him. I mean, I go back to when uh, Parasite was at the festivals, and this man wouldn't talk about anything else but uncut gems. He true. He is the uncut gem that we have right now. I'm, I'm glad. I can't wait to see how many more opportunities he's going to get. That's Absolutely. just like, it, it feels like he's hit his peak. This man's not stopping, you know? This I don't man, even know what's on the horizon. This man hit his peak when he made memory. That's why, like, I haven't seen Parrot. Like, I'm the only one out of you, out of yeah, the three of us who hasn't seen see it. it. I'm seeing it soon. But, like, I just, I'm, like, catching his um, movies I've missed because I'm writing a piece on him. Yeah. I saw Mother that's also, like, crime-related. And I'm like, mm-hmm. if this man did Mindhunter, I would I'm wa- absolutely <laughs> I'm watching you. I'm mean, following might- you on Letterboxd, watching these <laughs> movies going... How is the next one going to be better? And Fernando still hasn't seen Parasite. Right. Well, has it? I'd, I I feel like, you know, he might even be too good to be on Mindhunter. Like, I don't know if that's possible because <laughs> Mindhunter is mean, bringing in, like, Andrew there. Dominic and people to direct on it. And, of course, oh, Fincher's still yeah, directing yeah, yeah. for it. I'm all but, for it. Give him Barry. I want to see him. Yeah, and, I mean, him and look, if he's willing to, lines. if he's willing to just do an episode or two of Mindhunter, please, like, yeah. like hook it into my veins, you know. You know the thing Ooh. about him too is that he was on the Netflix train before any of these other directors were. Early, yeah. you know, even some of the other ones that Oak we're about job. to talk about in a little bit, who eventually um, are for Netflix. This man had made a movie with Netflix mm-hmm. way before, you know, like. 
he's been on the right side. I, well, you know, personally, but yeah. speaking, um, but it's gonna happen in five years anyway. He's he's new streaming was gonna be an edge on it. This man's been able to come and make English films, go back and make his Korean films. I honestly don't know what's in store for him. You're mentioning Mindhunter. I can't wait till that one project is Greenland. We go, yo, he's doing what? I'm yeah. excited for what's in store for him. <laughs> Absolutely. Joker continues to make a killing at the box office, moving closer to becoming the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. But if previous Joker actor Jared Leto had his way, the movie would have never been made. According to The Hollywood Reporter, when Leto learned of the Todd, Willips, Todd Phillips production, he asked his manager to call the head of Warner Brothers to pill the plug on the film. Art, yay or nay, Warner Brothers pretended they weren't home when Jared Leto's manager called. <laughs> Well, they tend him to ringtone. <laughs> Jared Leto, I don't know if you've seen him. Did you know he has a letterbox? Oh, does, he? does he? Jared Leto has a letterbox, and he's been going on every re- five-star review for Joker, uh, leaving negative, I'm just kidding, oh. leaving rats in the comment section. <laughs> <laughs> and use condoms and bombs. Yo, he is the Joker in this situation. Like, literal buffoon. I was reading up on this article and everything that he had said about it. Uh, I take it you're against it as well. Are you I mean, hurt yeah, for Jared? Obviously. Yeah, obviously. I don't interfere with other people doing their shit. I was reading up on it and, you know, uh, all that stuff that he did, all the rumors about his method acting and sending dead rats and all that stuff. You know, people, I've heard people, both sides of it. Oh, that was just marketing for the movie. If the actors complained, yeah. they would have complained. Well, some actors did complain. Yeah. Uh, some, yeah, you know, the director. It, I, I don't even know why we've even discussed the Jared Little thing. Did you know the director of Suicide Squad, David Ayer? Which I have another thing to tell you about this David Ayer stuff because of a tweet you like, but that's for later. Uh, David Ayer even cut out more of the Joker for the director's cut of Suicide Squad because he really didn't like his performance. He's on record as saying that. That is an actual thing that even the director's like, what are you doing, Jared Leto? Jared Leto said, no, I am an Oscar winner. He, right. That was in the Warner Bros. call. Why aren't you giving an Oscar winner his due? Lupita Nyong'o was on the phone going, Jared, if you don't shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was offended. He was mad. I mean, like, to an extent, so I understand the idea of you don't want there to be more than one Joker out there so that your Joker is less important. But I it think by the time important. that we were getting the Todd Phillips Joker, we were increasingly under the impression that, like, the Jared Leto Joker was going to be something of the past. It... it, it did not seem like there was a lot of interest in him getting his own movie or yeah. franchise or whatever have you. And, and also, something that we've been talking about is DC is doing this cool thing. Like One of the cooler things that DC is doing is kind of saying, fuck continuity. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we we can have two different Jokers at the same time. We can have okay. Lego Batman, real How Batman, and, and yeah. tiny Bruce Wayne. Like, mm. it's all it's all good. I Who's mean, playing Riddler? My man was probably just confused too because he was like, "You guys didn't say this in my contract. Like, right. is there a he universe? He was like Andrew Garfield. Andrew universe? Garfield when he turned on the news that day, he's on Tom Holland. It's like, what's going on? No, who did DC just get to play the Riddler? Oh, Paul Dano. Paul yeah. motherfucking Dano. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about that? I didn't put it in my rundown, but uh, recently they cast Paul Dano as the Riddler and uh, Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, Catwoman. Uh, so now we got Robert Pattinson and Jeffrey Wright joining those mm-hmm. two in the upcoming uh, Matt Reeves Batman movie. I've heard people talking about it's like if A24 <laughs> did a Batman movie. I mean, I think it'd be cool if we actually waited a little bit uh, to see some more of it. But mm. what do you guys think so far of these announcements? 
I think it's crazy, crazy good. I mean, I remember um, they also were scouting for Jonah Hill, but that didn't work out. Um, yeah, uh, it's okay. <laughs> apparently for the penguin, yeah. or maybe the r- internet was just assuming that because yeah, he's some, some people, Yeah, oh, because they're <laughs> yeah. Uh, but suppose, excuse me, I heard people saying it was a big deal. He got rejected because they couldn't settle around his ten mil. Mm-hmm asking price which i don't think was a bad asking price some people were saying like wow he wants 10 mil it's like yeah, this man took a pay cut like in the thousands for do you remember uh wolf of wall street right oh he yeah. took a pay cut because he wanted to be in that movie so bad landed himself a nomination i don't him asking for 10 yeah, mil isn't I mean, bad joker uh uh heath asked for 15 i think or 20 i can't remember how much right like these are the kinds for. of movies that actors generally get really that wasn't worked, a bad amount really paid for. for and and on top of that like you know the it, there's no there's no question that if they do this movie right it's going to make hundreds gonna of millions right. of dollars i think they're going to do it right yeah. <laughs> i think they're going to do it really right it's it's robert pattinson playing batman and he came out and said this is like something i've never seen yeah and then you yeah. got Paul Dano. You were asking me how much I like Paul Dano. Uh, what was his 2008 role where he was a supporting actor who was nominated? Uh, that would be There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. The, the um, other thing. I would argue, I, I believe Joker won that year. Heath, Heath won that year. Yes. That is his best performance and one of the best supporting performances of all time. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'll send you to the church scene when he takes the spear and he throws it out. I honestly believe it's one of the best. Not his. I'm not. I don't care about his best performances. This is one of the best supporting performances of all time. I saw a tweet that uh, was talking about that, and also mentioned that he got cast at the last moment as Eli uh, after another actor was deemed to not be good enough. Basically, they had already started production, and then Paul he Thomas stepped Anderson. in and gave one. That of sounds the great like a Paul roles. Thomas. It sounds like a Paul Thomas Anderson bit. If I've ever heard one, do you remember when Burt Reynolds said, "I never want to work with that kid again" after? Uh, <laughs> The, the that they did. Yeah. Oh, man. That is such a Paul Thomas. I did not know that. Last second edition, and he still gave that. Per- yeah. I am so excited to see what he does with the Red Light. I'm so excited to see what DC's doing with all these different things. <laughs> Give these directors an opportunity to... You know what? Todd Phillips is a hero. Todd Phillips has led the way. Maybe he was uh, right. Please, please stop. Please stop. Uh, <laughs> no, but I do like it. We are we are big fans of the idea of DC allowing these directors to do things and not have to worry about a continuity. Yeah. Being able to, as you can see with the Joker, just completely swap the entire origin, perspective, everything. They're even saying with this upcoming one, which I know a lot of people who are not big fans of BVS. Which I will also say, I also don't want to act like Todd Phillips and the new Joker thing. We've been seeing this since Logan. We've been seeing mm-hmm. this since Dark Knight. I hate this idea of like, oh, the Joker's... No, we can... Not be rude to the ones who have already laid the groundwork in the yeah. past, and uh, acknowledge all of them. I am I am very excited to see these stories, uh, which we had mentioned. Uh, film critic uh, from Letterbox, David Ehrlich, said that he's very big on the fact that a lot of these movies are just going to be the new way to tell whatever your independent story is. Ang right. Lee did this with Hulk. Ang Lee did this with Hulk in two thousand two. We just don't really pay attention to that one. Yeah. But it's that concept of how can you take heat and make it into a Batman movie, said Nolan in 08. Exactly. Uh, the, yeah, these filmmakers are, are, you know, retrofitting their movies to fit in May other Isaac, stories into the superhero Yay films. or nay, you're looking forward to the year 2025 when your indie darlings are now disguised as the Selena <laughs> Kyle movie starring who? Zoe Kravitz? Kravitz? Mm-hmm. 
who can carry a performance. Yeah. Are yeah or nay? Are you going to be cool with that? Seeing these independent stories in order to be market more marketable are now in superhero films right, like Joker. You for that or you against the, that? This is the whole thing with like you know Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart made a bunch of Twilight movies so they can afford to go and. Uh, fund the first films of a bunch of really interesting filmmakers that they can go hang out with Robert Eggers on a on an island with a lighthouse, yeah. uh, and it's not like yes. going to ruin Edward Team Edwards' career yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So you're for it? That's smart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Grace Randolph recently reviewed the new film Zombieland Double Tap, which shouldn't be that remarkable except for the fact that Grace Randolph <laughs> appears in the new film Zombieland Double Tap. Uh, Art, gay or nay, you think it's okay that Grace let her thoughts be known on the new movie? Grace Randolph can do whatever she wants. <laughs> I don't hate Grace Randolph as many other people uh, hate her. Um... Do I agree with it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. But she knows exactly what she's doing. And uh, Zach, you and I have discussions all the time. We say, you know, if you don't want something to go trending, then stop making it go trending. Uh, she knows exactly what buttons to push that she's in the news every week for a new thing she did. She landed herself a role. She works hard. I'll give her that. She works super hard and may not have the best opinions at times, but... Don't give her that attention. Mm-hmm. Right. That's all I would right. say. Yeah, I mean, you know, she's definitely generates a lot of online clicks f- for reasons that uh, would Parasite make and people Joker frustrated and, together, and, yeah. and often get under she the skin of she's doing. film Twitter. Yeah. I don't think she's a particularly great uh, opinionist when it comes mm-hmm. to films. Uh, she's a hard worker. Like, sure, think about sure, how much yeah. she she's always She's always out there with the new right. reaction video. You can complain oh. about her. But why aren't you there doing it? Of course, the argument would then be, well, because you're bound to, with so much quantity, give out as many bad opinions on the spot as you do. But... Right. I mean, you know, I, some people some people find uh, constantly churning out annoying opinions to be I'm a little bit more soul grinding, maybe. Yeah. People want us to do that. <laughs> and we could give that to you. But we decided to give you our bad opinions only biweekly. That said, exactly. though, I want you to bring up an example that you brought up of a, of a New York Times bestseller book. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. So uh, there's another film Twitter controversy. Uh, uh, and, and I'll just say quickly on the Grace thing, like it is it's it's a violation of journalistic ethics to qualitatively assess yeah. a thing that you are a part of. But Roger, you're not supposed to do that. Roger Ebert How can I trust your opinion? You're part of the movie. Anyway. But Roger um, Ebert did it for Valley of the Dolls. Did he not? No, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there was another thing on film Twitter this week that was interesting in that a lot of critics uh, were upset with comments that author Shea Serrano made mm-hmm. in, I believe it was a GQ interview or an Esquire interview in which he said that essentially I'm paraphrasing uh, that older movies were still figuring things out. And he tends to not watch older things, including uh, he tried watching Rafifi. He found it slow. He found it boring. Mm-hmm. He basically is like movies got good in the eighties. Uh, and a whole bunch of film critics were really upset with him over these comments, basically uh, saying, you know, like, how can you be a best-selling film critic and not watch the majority of films Oh, very ever made? easily, first of all. That's not the question I ask. Wait, that's not what you asked? No, I'm answering your question. Uh, People saying, uh, how could you be a bestseller and not very easily? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It, to, to which I say, like, you know, this is a guy who does take like a a, a different perspective Appro- yeah. on the way he analyzes films. Uh, I having read some of Shade's stuff, he's not coming from. Uh, a place of authority on the history of cinema. He's coming at it thing. from more yeah. of an entertainment platform. Uh, a lot of people were critical of him because he also had has books that are about basketball and about hip hop, and he hasn't necessarily like dedicated his life to film. But uh, other people who haven't dedicated their life to film are a lot of the people who are going to pick up this book because mm-hmm. they're just interested in film. They just they aren't going to necessarily dedicate their lives to it. I'm I'm of the opinion that it's good to have different opinions out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it maybe sometimes you need to disclose whether or not you're you've got a vested interest in certain opinions. I agree. But too. there's some gatekeeping that goes on with uh, people who feel like they're the experts. I agree. And even more. if you look at a lot of the people who were uh, criticizing Chase Serrano's comments, they don't just have the word film critic in their bio. <laughs> they have the words film historian in their bio, which I think, you know, it, it, it's, I don't know, maybe that's hey, pretentious or maybe they, they're just box. trying to set the battle lines, but yeah. not everybody is a film historian. Some people are, are yeah, just are. casually dropping in. And I think that's what Shay's doing. If you if you log in your letterbox stuff from 2010 onward, that's history. <laughs> I agree with you though. Uh, I take it you know I I think it's so bold to say those comments. I don't watch movies. Yeah, I don't the agree 80s with. Were, I don't agree with it either. Because Twelve Angry Men, I obviously still stands up to his yeah, day. Yeah, network is my the shit. Audacity to say, bro, that was well, the yeah, beta. No, he, it's one of those takes that I'm sure there's a lot of people who believe it, but you just you don't put those things down. Yeah, because uh, you know you're going to get killed for them. And he got killed for them. And he he said, but he also didn't care. And I think that's the thing people don't understand. And that's why I told you to bring this up along with the Grace Randolph thing. You don't think he doesn't know that after doing NBA and rap, bro? There is a subreddit called Hip Hop Heads. Yeah. They would have been the first to destroy him. He's been destroyed by other ones. He came to film Twitter. He said, y'all watch movies for a living. You're sitting down. I'm not scared of you. Yeah. Go with them Twitter fingers. Thank you for promoting my thing and making it trending. Yeah. Book so, uh, in stores sh- now. I disagree with him completely, <laughs> but I think that's that exact type of um, it's marketing yeah. is what Grace Randolph does as well. When it comes to putting an opinion out there that will irritate people. Does she believe it? Of course. At, at a certain point. Why does it matter? You know, right. we, we have this all the time from stuff that we've done. Uh, and we get on Let Me Explain all the time. Even when you put the title Let Me Explain, people go, well, that's not, obje- that's not that's subjectively wrong. I was like, I know. I don't care about what, what's object or whatever it is. Uh, we've said this uh, since the past. We've known critics who have complained about other YouTubers, right, who, who have a pretty big uh, skill over there. But at the same time, it comes down to then don't care for those people. Just ignore right. them. They're not claiming to have the opinion on everything. They're going by their own name to, for crying out loud. They're not representing a, a, an organization. But at any point, have you stopped to wonder, why are they so big? Right. And I, I think there's this thing, especially with film critics, where well, they kind they, of feel like... What are like, they reaching that you're not? Th- or it's like, this is the way you talk about movies. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Dad, yeah. like, why are you doing it that way? How many way? times have we been told, this is the way you're supposed to talk about a movie? Right. I, I get criticized for that all the time, and I go, so I have to talk about it like this and not like that? Yeah. I talked about it like both. You just didn't like how I said it in my accent or whatever. It's the same, you're just doing the same thing just eight months later. I agree with you. Uh, at the same time, I do also, you know, hey, Shay, you want to make that book? You know what to expect. 
and she knows what to expect as well. But that's the way to do it. Boyhood is the most boring movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Putting that out there. We got to talk about that later Because that is a bad take It's not. Uh, it's Daniel Kaluuya Is oddly attached oh, to this. a Barney movie uh, There was He was quoted In the Hollywood Reporter saying Barney was a ubiquitous figure in many of our childhoods Then he sure. disappeared into the shadows Left misunderstood uh, We're excited to explore This compelling modern day hero And see if his message of I love you You love me can stand the test of time Art yay or nay You are excited for Daniel Kaluuya's Barney movie. Do you remember when Ryan Gosling directed a film? <laughs> Didn't he do two? Or is it just one? Which one do you remember? Was Only God yes. Forgives? Or? No, no, no. That was Reffin. Oh, okay. Yeah, was, right, um, a- right afterwards, he made a movie called Lost River. Lost River. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looked a lot like a Reffin film. Yeah. Yes, it did. <laughs> Stuck around enough time with Ref and he was like, well, let me take a gander at this. My man has been in Black Mirror, one of the most highest rated and first season episodes of Black Mirror. That was my first introduction to him uh, like as, as like a main actor. Yeah. Great He's been in Get Out, right? He's worked with merits. Jordan Peele. Didn't he get a nomination for Get Out? Yeah, yeah he he's did. best actor nominee. So now think about all of these creative people who he's been with, right? Like when you work with Jordan Peele and that man comes out with a movie, and if you would have told me that December when the trailer came out, that that movie that the guy from Mad TV is making? Yeah, wait, the guy who just came out with the Keanu Cat movie. Yeah, that guy, he's directing a movie. Directing a movie? Yeah. Right. Oh, and on top of that, he's going to get nominated for... No- is a Blumhouse movie. Yeah, he's going to get nominated and he's going to win. What? Writing. The guy from Mad TV is going to do that. Now think about the actor going who's worked with that man. I'm going to get Barney. He's producing this. That's You want to know what, what blew me? It's, the second was there's a Barney movie and it's about how he's misunderstood. The first was Daniel Kaluuya producer. I was like, wow, that quick, huh? I like that. I'm all for actors being able to hop on there. Uh, talent being able to hop on and be able to uh, get that producing credit because that's where the real money, that's where the real um, creative stuff happens. I am a big Barney fan. I don't know why he left us. I'm all for it. They Dude, brought back Mr. Rogers. Yes. Why not bring back some more Barney content? Why not? Yes. I'm, I'm for it. That was my childhood. That was my childhood. <laughs> but okay, so now do we think, is it actually going to be Barney, like big purple dinosaur? Or is this just like, like a headline and it's going to be I mean, biopic? I, I th- the... There are two things that came to mind. Uh, when I saw this headline. The first was Death the Smoochie, and the second, Art, I know you'll be excited about this, was Brigsby Bear. Yeah. Like, I feel like, you know... <laughs> Hard space. 2019 is not asking for a Barney sequel. It's asking for 2019's version of Barney. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that's more in the style of a Brigsby Bear or of a Death the Smoochie, uh, hopefully, especially if it's coming from, you know... If it's coming from the influences of Get Out and Black Mirror, as you so suppose. Oh, without a doubt, he's going to be doing something. I I mean, I feel like that's got to be what it is, right? Otherwise, why why is Kaluuya even involved? Who do you want to direct it? Marianne Heller, nobody else. Everyone else go home. (laughs) Give it to Marianne Heller. Have her direct it. That'd be cool. And make it feel like an actual episode of Barney like she did with the Mr. Rogers one. I could go, you know, if any of the the people who've directed Black Mirror episodes I like, I don't know why Rashida Jones was the one that popped in my head. That would be interesting. But Has she directed? Like she could be interesting. 
She did the nosedive Black Mirror episode, the one with Bryce Dallas Howard. My one of my favorites of that season. Yeah, literally one of my favorites. That's interesting. Dope. All right, so uh, that about does it for yay or nay. Let us know what you think in the comments below. Or again, you can email us, intercutpod at gmail.com. We're going to move ahead to the topic of the week. The and week. this week's topic, Martin Scorsese ignited the... Uh, in, Martin Scorsese ignited Film Tweener for a couple of weeks with the controversy over his comments on Marvel movies, specifically that he considers them to be not cinema. This caused fans, critics, and even other filmmakers like James Gunn and Kevin Smith to comment on Scorsese's comments. But just recently, the Godfather director Francis Ford Coppola took the discourse to a new, le to a new level with his thoughts on Marvel, saying, quote, when Martin Scorsese says that the Marvel pictures are not cinema, he's right because we expect to learn something from cinema. We expect to gain something, from some enlightenment, time? some knowledge, some inspiration. I don't know that anyone gets anything out of seeing the same movie over and over again. Martin was kind when he said it's not cinema. He didn't say it's despicable, which I say it is. Art, well, what are your thoughts on these older directors wading into this, the discussion of the MCU? What movie does he have? Was he doing press for? Is he even doing press for a movie right now? Is no, no. I think he was um, accepting an award in like France, like a lifetime. Th that's just about all that Francis. Why? Ford it's does, like I think, okay. Right I'll put it to you this way: in the year 2019, Kanye West said, "I'm not doing rap music because it's the devil's music." Shut up! No, that's not happening. Uh, I believe at one time Martin Scorsese may have fallen on the side of only filming in film. And only being in cinemas, perhaps. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he has vocally said he that. He never vocally maybe? said it. This is why it's surprising because when he came out and he said the superhero thing, this is like he had made some comments in the past, but this was the one that really made people go, "Oh man, screw yeah, that I mean, Marty guy." Yeah, it feels like this flares up every six months or so i feel like yeah there's Scorsese. always a new director yeah. but this was definitely the most and you know obviously he's doing the most press right now with yeah. the irishman set to come out um so people keep asking him about it w one thing that i think is funny is when people keep being like stop talking about marvel scorsese well it's like the people They're are being asked the journalists are asking him and also these journalists know like you guys are going to click on yeah, it so yeah, maybe yeah. if you want to stop reading about it stop clicking on it. it we we know this it's all a fabric like who cares what martin scorsese thinks about it to be honest like honestly who do you like him oh he said he did it he said he did he said he's indifferent why does his answer matter to what you got does this okay he also thinks all of his movies are great did you see all of his movies do you think every single one is great P probably not you know People are going right. to have varying opinions from it, but you're correct. It's the narrative that's being pushed. Why would he say something like that? Because he was asked. Yeah, and it, I th it think it gets out of control in the whole, like, responding to the response of the response. And, yeah. you know, James Gunn weighs in and Kevin Smith he weighs in. And, and Kevin Smith, and, you yeah. know, uh, I think there was a headline that a lot of people were making fun of i thought kevin smith's uh comments were actually more interesting than what the headline gave him credit for but the headline said that scorsese doesn't have the emotional attachment uh to these movies and like obviously he doesn't have the emotional mm -hmm. attachment to them you know some of these characters were created like recently like yeah. they, he doesn't have the history with them in the, in the same way I, I would personally find it weird if 75-year-old Martin Scorsese uh, was super into Thor, the next Thor yeah. movie. 
You know, like I, I can't. I personally, I know some people go to see these movies with their families, go with their parents, whatever. Yeah, it's really I personally, weird. like, my family has no interest. I could never get drag my parents to a Marvel movie, but that's right. fine. That's not what they grew up with exactly. or care about. It, it has no effect whatsoever on my ability to watch them. And the way I know that I would only take my family to see something that's more of a blockbuster in theaters as opposed to more of an art house film. Right. That doesn't make the art house films bad or vice versa. But I agree with you when it comes to the attachment side of things. I'll say this because I'm only going to focus on Scorsese. Uh, this is the only thing I'm about to say about uh, Mr. Coppola. I'm trying to sell wines. Yeah, him. <laughs> One, making the same movie over and over again. How are you going to make Godfather 3 and say that? Also... <laughs> None of us know the last five movies, and I actually have seen some of them and read up on them. One of them was like a movie that he made with his wife while they were arguing. Uh, that that one just comes sounds bitter. That one sounds like, do you remember what's his name came out and said, yeah, I hope they die, and I hope they burn in hell. Like, he just came out of nowhere trying to add like a like an actual angry old man yeah, side yeah. of it, and I feel like yeah, he's the person who would take it to Yeah, we talked about this briefly grave. before we started uh, recording, but, you know, in the last uh, 20 years... Uh, at this point, Francis Ford Coppola has made four movies, so he's not a guy who's working actively. And and I feel like it, that bitterness you mentioned is probably at least to an extent from, you know, he knows that Disney is going to spend so much more money on Marvel properties than they would ever give to him, mm-hmm. the creator of the Godfather series. Yeah, so like you know, you know what? There's obviously going to be some bitterness if he can't get his movies or his visions. Here's the other funded. thing I would bring up that Martin has. Yeah. Right. And I think where Martin so maybe, there? I think may, where Martin maybe has a an opposition towards the Marvel movies is in the way that a lot of these films crowd cinemas. Uh, if you have uh, a movie theater near you, chances are eighty percent of the year their screens are going to be occupied with stuff uh, like uh, like Disney. Uh, Disney's big blockbusters, uh-huh. or or not necessarily the more art house fare. Now. I don't know if stopping superhero movies is in and of itself any Westerns solution to that. Westerns was a thing, too. Yeah, we had this conversation beforehand. People complained about silent films getting uh, voices because yeah. they didn't know what that was going to do. They really thought that was the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Y'all, anyone has this conversation at all? You a hundred and something years late. Because they thought it was going to end there. Then they thought it was going to end when it was going to turn into color. Then they thought it was all over because it was only Westerns. Then after the Westerns, it was all of these crime films. And And oh, it's always going to be mobster films. Yeah, and then it was all of these parody films. And then it was horror films. And now it's superhero. There's going to be another one that comes out. And that doesn't make any of them bad at all. It's just a matter of perspective. And I like what you said about uh, being invested. Yeah. I think the interesting thing is... um, because some older directors, like one of Marty's best friends, Mr. Spielberg, who also is like up there, he doesn't share the same opinion, right? Like, I wonder what... But he doesn't share the same opinion in streaming, though, yeah, which is interesting. True. But I wonder you know? what what, um, what his good friend Marty thinks of his big blockbuster movies, like Ready Player One. Like, are you telling me that's uh-huh, right. not an amusement park movie? Like, he definitely is. Are you kidding me? So, Well, how I'm, does he feel that... Avatar was nominated. That's yeah. a literal amusement park. Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. It's getting to that point where these are actual contenders that are getting the exact same awards that weren't given to him until The Departed. <laughs> you know? So it's like, I, yeah. I, 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 I personally, again, Francis Ford Coppola sounds bitter as hell. Mm-hmm. Marty just sounds like a person who needs to be doing press 
And as much as he wants to answer like Joe Pesci, highly recommend the New York, the New York, um, uh, the New York Film Festival interview that they did, where Joe Pesci just didn't want to answer anything because he's like, "This is stupid." Yeah. What do you mean how I got into the character? You know, like he didn't want the same answer, the same question asked again. I feel like he's just been bombarded with these questions and he's had to answer them. But I don't see any malice. Like I truly don't see any malice. Like you guys yeah. know, when I come out of certain movies, I was like, "That's not for me." Why'd you hate it? I am. Why? I look. It's not for me. I'm not going to be watching it with you. Enjoy it. Right. Like, there's nobody. Scorsese doesn't say that he thinks they shouldn't be made. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, there's value in an amusement park, but I think he's trying to create some delineation between what he does and what uh, these Marvel as a conglomerate is doing. And I think you know there is. I think they are a good point. Sometimes I think they are fundamentally different. Mm Yes. Uh, can we compare it to another medium? Because I feel like when people will always just go, he's like, oh, well, it's all subjective. Well, okay, let's compare it to food. In food, is there not Michelin star restaurants mm. and then there is fast food? Yeah. You cannot bash McDonald's or Chick-fil-A for doing what they're supposed to do with their fries and soda. But that cannot be acceptable when you get into a different price range, for example. Granted, here it's yeah. a very weird thing because, well, it's the price the range price. is the same for any movie you yeah. go see, right? Yeah. I but and I think though the argument from people like Scorsese though is like, if if McDonald's and Chick Fil A get super successful, it'll be hard to find better restaurants. And I do <sighs> and and I do see that argument though. Like it's, I, yeah, I don't I know what to do about case. that, and I don't think that that means you outlaw Chick Fil A. Mm-hmm. Right. But like there is something there. And I think people are, are almost intentionally looking at the wrong side of his comments mm-hmm. on purpose. Yeah. I also do think that the whole thing is marketing because we can't even say that oh, he's yeah. bitter considering that he just got like what 40 million to de-age older guys who have been with him since the beginning. So he's enjoying the fruits of the labor that Netflix probably off of their Netflix shows was able to garner an extra amount of money to be able to send his way. Right. Like, honestly, that's probably the better argument, if anything, because, it, you know, the the fact that these superhero movies take up so much of the budgets of these do studios. Do you think that's a bad thing? Like, what? do we actually truly believe that those budgets are taking it away when we can go easily into IMDb and look at people in The Irishman? I'm not saying that is the case. But who got their talents by working on a what? And now they're helping you de-age over here. Previously, they helped de-age uh, Civil War. Right, right. No, I, that's not really. It, yeah, obviously there are um, elements of the Marvel movies that then benefit other movies down mm-hmm. the line. Mm-hmm. I'm more saying that you know Scorsese's at a point where he can still get his movies funded because he's yeah. Scorsese. Yeah. Uh, Why can't Francis? Where it, the people who really should be complaining are more like the indie filmmakers who have to go and work for mm-hmm. uh, a Marvel because they can't get their ideas funded until they prove themselves by making Captain Marvel or by making uh, whatever Ten Rings movie that Daniel Cretton so, is supposed to make next. Chloe, right, if I'm not mistaken, from The Rider being able to get picked up for Eternals. We don't see that as a bad thing. We see All of us went to film school. We all know the people who say, ah, I'm not going to go corporate. I'm going to be an artist. Yeah. Starving artist doesn't mean you have to actually starve, my yeah. dear. You can go work. Use your talents for some other stuff. No, I'm only telling my story. Well, why Tony. should people give a damn about your story to begin with? Why do you think you should eat off your story? Why don't you provide your skills to also do other stuff? 
Uh, Martin Scorsese does a lot of... Man, going back in his filmography, this man on his time off makes documentaries on people, and they are very fascinating. He uses his skill of storytelling. One, I uh, I do agree that he uses it. It's not the same mobster movie over and over again, especially, which I haven't seen The Irishman yet. Um, but he puts his themes and morals that he's learned from Catholicism, from the people who helped raise him, from movies even like Silence, to be able to push that in his stories. But he uses his skill set of a filmmaker to be able to showcase other filmmakers in his documentaries. I know he loves um, Bob Dylan and he's made like four on him. Uh, but a lot of, you know, all of us who went to film school, I'm sure you know a lot of people was like, oh, I don't want to go shoot whatever corporate video. It's like, why not though? Why not go shoot the corporate video and make your thing as well and have one benefit the other? Uh, Nolan did a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of and people it, it have done the not a bad thing to do this kinds of things that he seems more interested in. All of our favorite actors working right now, I'm just thinking Kate Blanchett, superhero movie. Joaquin, just did a superhero movie. So all of our favorite ones, except Daniel Day-Lewis, <laughs> have been in a superhero movie, and does that degrade anything from them? No. But as you said, he also admitted he hasn't spent enough time watching these movies. And that is the exact thing that we discussed before pressing record today. How do you reach a kid who's seen The Joker and thinks it's the best movie of all time, but he's only logged 10 on Letterboxd? Is it by telling him, watch more movies? No, he's not going to pay attention to you. How do you get the cinephile who believes every superhero movie is junk? Is it by calling him a loser and telling him to go watch his A24 flicks? No, it's by convincing him that whatever you think that movie has to showcase... That it is very similar. As we argue, it's the same independent filmmakers who are there trying to tell their story the exact same way. So, you know, Black Panther. You see the bits of Ryan Coogler in that movie that we saw in Creed and that we saw even beforehand in Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. But you also do feel the Disney-ness in there. Yeah. And you feel yeah. the CGI heaviness in there. That's always going to be there. But if it allows you to be able to create all these other movies, like you said with Robert Pattinson and giving him the fan base for those girls to go watch the lighthouse and go, this is not. I don't want him to do a mermaid. I want him to yeah. do uh, what's her name from Twilight. <laughs> if it's able to establish your name, that's the best thing. I mean, even we were talking. Who did Captain Marvel? The duo. Uh, Anna Boda and Ryan Fleck. Fleck. Yeah. They've been established for a, for a long time. Half Nelson, and even they found mm-hmm. themselves over here with this. And that's not a bad thing. Is it their best movie? No. Have we argued about things? Kind of like with Jordan Peele, who said, "When you pick up my box set, once I'm dead." I want them to all be original films. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's been rumored that our Moonlight, Barry Jenkins, that he may do one in there. A lot of people say it's going to be the... Uh... Oh, Blade? Or... No, not Blade. We recruited everyone. Sam, Sam Jackson. Oh, Nick Fury? Yeah, that if he did a Fury movie, uh, how would he see that? I would again. I would love for it to go George Washington, Moonlight, uh, Beale Street. None of no superhero movies there. But I also don't think it's a bad thing because you also have filmmakers like our boy who did Anna Melissa. Yeah. And he says no one wants to fund this movie. Right. So you can be the starving artist, but I don't. I personally don't think it's a bad thing. But I also get the perspective. This man also did Tintin. It's not like he hasn't done big CGI fests that do feel like a roller coaster as well. Uh, we were uh, putting Shutter Island as I was downloading stuff for the decade, and Shutter Island just made the list. I'm personally on one of the ones that feels that Shutter Island feels like a lot of other psychological thrillers. Mm-hmm. It's all a matter of, of opinion. That's all it really ends up coming down to. But the fact that it's even a part of the discussion shows you obviously the impact of superhero movies, but the fact that they can be used, and it's a cultural movement at the moment, the same way that Westerns were. 
I don't know. I think it's an old head thing. We talked about rap, and in rap, what was it? The old heads now who hated who hate mumble rap, back in the day, were told by their old heads, "What's this Nas and Biggie? What's this Tupac? Where's that?" Yeah, uh, Fernando, do you want to read the quote uh, that you were telling us before we started? Yeah. Yeah. So um, James Gunn, who's obviously made a bunch of comic book movies and worked in three different franchises. Um, he gave his opinion on it um, on Instagram, and he basically said that um, this it's like a reoccurring theme, you know, like his grandfathers talked about westerns the same way because John Ford and Sam or Sergio Leone, like they all felt the same. And then crime movies came out, and they were all the same. And then you know when Star Wars was coming out, someone would say, "Oh yeah, I saw." 2001, A Space Odyssey, that's set in space, and it was boring. So this has got to be boring, too. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like the thing where not everyone is going to be able to appreciate them, um, even though some of these people have made some of the best movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not gonna yeah, be no everyone. one's going to enjoy everything. In fact, I would be suspicious of anything that everyone claims to enjoy because yeah. <laughs> that's not what art is mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, the joy is in having different things that appeal to different people and a variety of options so i don't the know biggest... I, I see where they're coming from uh, and I, to me i'm mostly I, i'm mostly even feeling like just let them have their opinions they let don't them have their opinions, opinions don't affect yours it's kind of like to me it's kind of like when people complain about uh, a reboot it's like the the reboot doesn't mean your old things going away yeah. we always say that yeah. all it means is that now you have more opportunities for the original to pop up on people's timelines and everything else mm-hmm. do what you got to do uh yeah i think the only thing i'll agree with him with is i guess the disney side of it like if you're superhero movies from disney i know chong went on record when we when he was doing an interview for uh something in toronto actually because uh, i know he's in color out of space chong cheech and chong he said yeah. he'll never work in a Disney movie because he feels like that's the one thing he doesn't want to cross. He feels mm-hmm. like they own you at that point. Right. That I won't argue against. Uh, I don't know what studio systems are worth doing it or not, but yeah, I can I can definitely see that. We have friends who work at Disney and we haven't spoken to them in years. Uh, maybe we'll get them back one day. So I can see that because they do keep keep eyes on you. But hey, we know a guy who did Pete's Dragon. And not mm-hmm. only had, was that good for him, but it helped to make... I would say one of the biggest critical darlings following Pete's Dragon, which would have only been possible, a ghost story, with the assistance of all the friends that he made there. Uh, I don't know. It, there is no right or wrong answer. He is correct in some cases. Some stuff are clearly just products. But in other cases, it, it could be a stepping stone that would help an artist make what will be our must-watch right. in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, let us know what you think about uh, Marvin, uh, Mar- Marvel versus old directors and all these comments and who's right and who's wrong and whether we should all just let the conversation die out already. Yep. Uh, we're going to move on to our final segment of this and every week. It's the new to see where we give you our pick for the week. Art, why don't you start us off? What's your pick for the week? I mean, you had mentioned Euphoria. You had mentioned Succession. There's a bunch of stuff that you can stream at home right now. But there was some stuff that we had caught on Netflix on the way back. Pull up right now in a second. Undone, another one on Amazon that uh, mm-hmm. I know was my pick of the week, and I, I feel it's going to be Fernando's. But for the moment... Yeah, have you talked about Unbelievable yet? I don't I think you've talked about... So. Uh, un- I mentioned Unbelievable, and I don't know if you've talked about Unbelievable on the show yet. Uh, I'm going to say Between Two Ferns. 
Ooh, oh, yeah. I'm just going to toss that out there. But I will mention Unbelievable as well. Unbelievable and Undone, we saw back to back, I want to say. Um, unbelievable, Undone. I prefer yeah. Undone just a little bit more because it doesn't make me feel like complete and utter crap after the first episode. But man, oh, it was fantastic. You know a show is good. And I, I want to say I did because I remember mentioning this. The fact that Tony Collette isn't even my favorite part of the show. But right. uh, Weaver is yeah uh merritt weaver who's i was like so, she's so the one on who it. owns the show more so than tony collette uh but yeah i think you loved it way more than i did but as a procedural uh i know alina was taking a bunch of notes she's like this can't be true <laughs> there's no 40 percent all these different things that uh that it that it that it drives you through sometimes it is like i am the intern can you explain this to me it's like well, you would not be explaining that to the intern but it really puts you in the shoes of like oh not everything is as malicious as you think. It ends up feeling malicious, but something is like, you forgot to file that. But like, okay, why did you forget to file that when someone's literal like life is on, uh, is on the line? There is right. no point for you to be able to li- lily gag, I guess, in a sense. That I found fascinating because it's like, how do you stop that? How do you mm-hmm. stop There's a it meticulousness to yes. the approach where they take you each step by step by step that shows the way that things kind of... Uh, come together not necessarily like you said in a malicious way mm-hmm. but in an unfortunate occurring of circumstances you know mm-hmm. uh and then and, un- a la- and a lack of empathy yeah uh and great performances as well but undone yeah. is another one that i'm sure he'll mention so i'm just going to mention between two friends i don't know why i thought this movie was so funny i am not an avid watcher of between two friends uh but you can go into this not knowing anything and be just great on it i thought the backstory the dumbest thing in the world yeah. But funny the fact that um, Will Ferrell owns Funny or Die and he needs to get his views. So because uh, what's his name has blown up his place because of a water line, he has to go and he forces him to interview all of these famous people. Um, he told Brie Larson, you won the Academy Award for Best Actress. Have you ever tried aiming higher and getting Best Actor? <laughs> <laughs> he told Paul Rudd. Uh, what was it? Are you hiding your Jewishness? Oh, no. um, Between oh, Two Ferns is great at yes. getting those celebrities to agree to having really insulting things said to their face. Said to it's them. It's kind of it's kind of like the sketch version of the Jimmy Kimmel mean tweets videos. Mm. A little bit, yes. I would say, um, even but I love Between Two Ferns uh, interviews. I I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm not. Oh, you're gonna do, love it. Does the movie work as well as the interview segments itself? It's it's a BS plot to get him from interview to interview. That's it. That's yeah, all yeah. that is. But the interviews are the funniest bits. Sometimes it slows down. And it's like, oh, okay, there's some funny stuff. Now that it's like a narrative that's right. going on and there's like a love story. It's like, that's cool. Can we get to the next one? Mm-hmm. And they're funny. Each little interview contains a little nugget of like, that's so... And it's all about the reaction. And they give you some bloopers at the end, which I thought were hilarious. Uh, but I love them. Like, I, I would watch it again on Netflix. That's when I knew I was like, this is a really funny movie. Uh, so I would recommend that one if you've never seen Between Two Ferns. Know that it gets a little stupid at times, but uh, you you don't have to have... You, you don't have to have seen... If I'm saying that correctly, I don't know why it feels wrong. Any of the previous Ferns to be able to catch this movie on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, directed by Scott Ackerman, who is hilarious on the Comedy Bang Bang Bang's, uh, podcast. It probably is going to be one of the funnier things you've seen. I can't believe you haven't year. seen it, man. Like, you I know, jumped I need on to that on baseball it. one real quick for The Lonely Island. I was like, yeah, yeah, without yeah, a doubt, yeah. he's I, seen this because I know I was away and binging Euphoria, man. Okay, then I forgive you. You are forgiven. Fernando, <laughs> what is your pick for the week? All right. Uh, I have one I want to say, but I'm scared it's going to be Zach's, and I don't want to steal it from him. 
It's not mine. Not yours? Okay, so um, one movie that uh, I know we all uh, saw at Sundance just came out on VOD, but Greener Grass um, is out limited and on Very VOD. Good. Um, so it's a movie that I've seen that twice. I've come around on. I definitely, I know Art just recently said 10 out of 10. Um, it's great. It's hilarious. Um, definitely a very specific kind of comedy, but if if you dig it, you're going to love this kind of uh, comedy. Um, and the uh, another movie that I really like this year that um, is out on streaming is Art of Self-Defense. Um, came out on streaming, um, which is also uh, really like dark comedy, like very yeah. dry humor and both of them are great, great movies. They sent me this little patch with the dog. Yeah. I thought it was the funniest thing. One of my favorite lines from that movie is, this is your belt. It's irreplaceable. Yeah. Replacements are $30. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb. You got a chance to catch it, right, Zach? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, okay, I'm, good. I've so I think it's a thumbs up it. all around from the three of us. I mm-hmm. think it's pretty funny. Um, so yeah, I, I second both of Fernando's recommendations. Actually, yeah, I was gonna say Greener Grass, so I'll throw it a, got a you, second dude. one. Uh, Greener Grass is one of my picks for the week. I got a chance to rewatch it. It's available on VOD, so mm-hmm. you don't even have to be in New York and LA the way you are typically. He wanted me to be in, to. In, in New York. He sent me an invite. I was like, homie, how am I gonna go all the way over there to see it? I wanted to be there. Don't get me wrong. I've yet to rewatch it again. You need to. It's so brilliant. You know, like it's one of those movies that I think you could watch it and think it's so stupid. How are the people who made this so stupid? What are they thinking? But if you actually sit and think about like what they're trying to say, Mm -hmm. the the way they're commenting on suburbia and, and. you know what is normal to us yeah. and the idea of the housewife or the perfect mother mm-hmm. jocelyn debor and don lobi Lu- leb it. i don't know how to pronounce her last name are just so brilliant here i they they're actually geniuses they're mm-hmm. actually yeah. geniuses we said this making five this. o'clock in the morning on sundance <laughs> we stayed up <laughs> till five o'clock in the morning talking about one sundance movie it was yeah. this one yeah, so I think we're gonna have to do a let us explain at some point yeah, where we sure. really oh, get into the meanings be. of this because I've been yeah. I've been thinking about a lot of the jokes and and just the intellectual thought behind mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. And, and what they mean and I, I yeah. need to talk about it somewhere so we'll do that and um, even if it doesn't mean anything to you just go watch it I think you will still be able to find it funny mm-hmm. uh, we've said it's like an Adam Sandler movie meets uh, David Lynch yeah. I keep saying it's like an alien trying to retell its people how yeah. us humans <laughs> act. But I, I, if, I'll say it's like if Yorgos Lanthimos or if if Wes Anderson directed a Yor, Yorgos Lanthimos script. That makes sense. Uh, and even if you hate it, like you can think it's terrible. I truly believe if it's one of your worst of the year, you will be mentioning it in your life yeah. more than some of your favorites in the year. You'll be That's thinking funny. about at You'll least a few the, moments. And yes, the thing about the movie is it yeah. is kind of like a collection of sketches. Like there mm-hmm. is a story, but it really yeah. is. This is a bit... This is a different comedic bit. So maybe not every bit hits for you, mm-hmm. for but sure. there will be some that do. I promise. Sure. Best case, the short is on Vimeo right now. Search up Greener Grass Short Vimeo. Mm-hmm. It's free. That works for you? Dope. Know that the full le- uh, the, that the feature length is just that feature length. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't have to rent it on VOD. If you spend the money, then you're know, like, yo, this sucks. Unsubscribe one star on <laughs> iTunes. Um but check out this short. If the short worked for you, which it did for me the first minute when I was like, this is so stupid. We booked tickets for Sundance right after that. Um, then definitely check it out. Yeah, and uh, because Fernando gave greener grass, I'll also throw out uh, the third season of Big Mouth. It's back. It's 
uh, I think just as hilarious as ever. You know, it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, this is one of the, the probably the only show that's willing to show like various stages of awkward stages of adolescent puberty in, in all their like dirty ugliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because it's animated, there is like a, a, a freeness with which the uh, the the show goes into certain ideas, whether it's uh, masturbation or menstruation or, or anything like that. It's, it's just the way that the show is so uh, without censors, without hesitations, talking about the things that don't get talked about in like polite conversation uh, and doing it in the context of these awkward teenagers. I find hysterical. I just to- told art before the podcast that I kind of feel like this is the new South park. In that, that yeah, it it's, well. it's young kids, but they kind of are commenting on our modern world in a way, because a lot of what we deal with today is like gender identity and sexual identity. It's and uh, whereas South park kind of makes fun of all that big mouth just interprets it in a way that's humorous, but accepting which is kind of kind of great uh there's a whole song dedicated to uh the different types of spectrums on uh, sexualities on the spectrum so uh i find it hysterical i think there's others that do too yeah Uh, so yeah big mouth and it got its seven seasons (laughs) the end and the spinoff no end and the spinoff that's right that just got announced wow yep they're they're going to be i think it's dominating for the next few years a lot of people do like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of kids like it. You know, well, <laughs> I think it's, it's the new it's through, the new you know? show that you sneak behind your parents' back to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's like uh, not all of the jokes hit for me, but some of the bits are like so excruciatingly embarrassing. Yes, some kid is going through, and we have back during that age gone through the hormone monster in a sense so it's like I, I get it you know the whole point of the show is like uh oh man look at all these things we're going through how are we going to be able to make this into a netflix show when we're older well we'll just make it into a cartoon and everything will be okay and that's yeah, how, it like, won't the be child season. pornography then yeah so it's like yeah i mean yeah <laughs> we'll see how big not as big on it as i am but that's okay that's all right hey varying opinions right that's all that matters yeah. I'm happy to be the uh, Scorsese tier Marvel in this situation, but that's go. all does it for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich, or uh, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show art, where can people find more from you? You can find Actually, me at the Fernando. Yeah. Uh, I keep forgetting to let art last. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at border underscore logic. Um, and then keep border on border? checking out the ADC uh, website that's www.theadcshow.com uh, and yeah that's pretty much it Art where can people find more from you The ADC Show let me explain Twitter, Instagram, Facebook all that stuff or here every week on the yes. Intercut Podcast you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes on SoundCloud on your favorite podcatcher I like Overcast and then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast but to the video podcast as well on our uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in movies and entertainment. 
Find new episodes of Intercut every Friday, and please leave us a comment, like the video, considering heading over to iTunes to leave us a five-star review, as Broadway.08 did, saying, amazing, love this so much, they always have the best conversations about movies, and I've discovered some amazing movies and TV shows because of this, I highly recommend it, so thanks to you, Broadway.08, and thanks to every one of you who goes out there and leaves us a uh, review a ranking a something it really does help other people uh get into the show find out about the show and put us on other people's radar Bro, we, we really appreciate broke. that what do we break what charts do we make it on flex uh, it we, we got a chartable email that we are on the u.s tv and film podcast charts Boy, way number, down at 850 but we're on there Boy. <laughs> So, there's no uh, stopping yeah. us now it, we broke the 1000 that's it it's over for y'all yeah intercut we're on the way up yeah. you better, move, better watch out better over, watch your backs move over a24's podcast karsten Car- guy uh, uh what's the name from Mayfair? nah it's done <laughs> we broke the top 1000 it's over yep. it's just a matter of time <laughs> not nah, really we're happy we're excited podcasts. we got the email and zach showed it to me i was like yo that's kind of cool though yeah. <laughs> i got yeah. all the podcasts out there that's pretty dope yeah. so we appreciate it because we're always asking you but we don't thank you enough for actually doing it. So we appreciate that exactly. for everyone who's listening. Uh, like you said, all the different platforms. He, which one's the one you always listen to? You prefer? Overcast. I have the raw audio file, so that's what I always listen to. <laughs> but everyone who listens to on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff, we really do appreciate it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, like our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter pages. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from Fernando, from all of our guests here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, could I have one of your children?